Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural foods chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey, guys. This is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. All right, everybody. This is Amy, and I am so excited to be here today for episode 21 of the A Very Full Plate podcast. I'm particularly excited because we are in for a treat. (laughs) And a big dose of reality. So I'm going to tell you both those things off the bat. First of all, we have Emily on the podcast today, which is amazing as always. I love getting to chit chat with her and having you guys listen in. But we also have her husband, Matt, on for the first time. Not only is this the first time that Matt is joining us here on the podcast, it is also the first time that we have a dad on the podcast. So I think this is super cool because he is going to give us a little bit of a perspective into feeding his kids. Of course, feeding kids takes two parents, not just one. And we've talked to a lot of moms, but I can't wait to pick a dad's brain today. And uh, one of the things that we're going to be really digging into today is just the division of responsibility in feeding. So I want to give a quick overview of what that is. And then I'm going to let Matt and Emily do most of the talking And you might hear their kids a little bit in the background too, because real life is happening as we record this. So if you are wondering what is the division of responsibility in feeding, first and foremost, I would send you back to episode 20 of the podcast. You can find that at www.averyfullplate.com slash 20 if you want to listen. That's our interview with Natalia Sasenko of Feeding Bites. She had some really amazing tips around turning picky eating around. And one of the things that she mentioned in that interview was the division of responsibility in feeding. And because she is so much more knowledgeable about it than I am, I actually pulled up her explanation so I could give you a quick overview here for those of you who don't remember or aren't familiar. Uh, division of responsibility in feeding comes from the Ellen Slatter Institute or from Ellen Slatter herself. And it's a study that she did around how to best feed kids. And here's the down low on what it's all about. So what Natalia explained to us and what she shares on her website is that in division of responsibility in feeding or DOR, as we'll talk about it here today, the parent is responsible for the what, the when, the where of kids' food, and the child is responsible for how much they eat and whether they eat. And I just want to say that one more time before we dig in, because I think that that's going to be kind of interesting as we have this conversation. And we'll talk a little bit about about all of our own experiences in trying out this concept of DOR. So the parent's responsible for the what, the when, and the where of feeding. And the kids are responsible for how much and whether or not they eat at all. So with that little bit of background, I'm going to hand things over to Matt and Emily because I have some questions for you guys who are kind enough to take your three daughters and run a, an experiment on them with what DOR would look like at your family dinner table. 
So first off, maybe you can just give us some background on what was your biggest takeaway from trying DOR in your household? For me, it was seeing what, what they really wanted to eat was. Because before, when we were doing dinner, you know, I would provide them with what I thought they wanted. Like I had their own, like everybody had their own special color plate. And then they had all their different, um, their different portions of, you know, you know, I might give Ellie a little bit more of this and Maddie less of this and more of that, assuming that that's what they wanted because of how they typically eat. Um, But it was kind of like almost because I was choosing it for them. I think there was also the assumption that that's also like, I was also, molding them to be almost like a label like oh yeah. Ellie, you're the bro- you're the broccoli girl here you go you love broccoli <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know? and I and I would even catch myself being like Maddie I know you don't like broccoli so I'm not going to put it on your plate um so what was interesting was um sort of being what's the word almost like metacognitive about and not and like trying to think about my thinking while I was trying to provide them with um, letting them choose on their own. Yeah. So um, I I had to biting my tongue, I guess, while like the food was out and just yeah. <laughs> sort of like seeing what was going to happen. You know, I almost felt like I was, I almost felt like I was at a zoo, like just watching, <laughs> like just waiting <laughs> to see what was going to happen. Um, so, and it was really funny because my oldest, the first night we did it, actually, I don't, Emily wasn't here the first night. Um, and I was just like, I'm going to do this. We're going to just put out the food and see what happens. And so I didn't even, I didn't like prep the girls or anything. I said, I just sort of put out all the food and I just sat down and I started just sort of taking my own food <laughs> and they were kind of like waiting. And I was like, you guys can have whatever you want. And, um, my oldest was kind of like, she like, didn't believe me, like almost because it was a, a test of some sort. <laughs> right. So, like she was like, just like going to like. I think it might've been honey mustard chicken or something. And she was kind of like just piling it on. Like we kind of had like this stare off, <laughs> but I was like, okay, but I know they may take more of something. Like I'm going through all that stuff. Um, so, and it was funny cause Ellie was taking a lot of the, like a lot of the veggies, like almost like all of the tomatoes. She was just kind of like, I'm going to have all of them. Um, so I, but we just, I just sort of let it happen, you know? Um, but like I said, I think my biggest takeaway was, learning to bite my own tongue, mm-hmm. you know, while trying to let them figure out what they were going to choose. Yeah. So. You know, that's such a great point And something that um, someone on my page just brought up the other day is like about this label of picky eater versus picky eating. And I think it's so true. And what you were finding is something I really find too, which is I have said around my older son a lot of times, like, Gavin doesn't really love to eat. He could live on air. And he recently, he's four, has started saying, oh, I don't like eating that much. Right. Oh, I am starting to give him almost like an excuse or this becomes part of his his identity. And I've heard other parents say that where if I call my kid picky enough in front of them, then they exhibit more of those behaviors because they're sort of like underscoring the things they think I think about them. Right. 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 So it is such an interesting experiment to sort of take yourself out of the situation and be like, here's some food. Yeah. And it, like? and it is, it's, and like I said, the hardest thing is not saying anything, not even like, um, not even being like, are you sure you don't want more? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it, you know, 
but but then it's also because I'm not saying anything, um, I do want to provide some of those cues. So then it forces me to make my plate look even, you know, like, oh, yeah. because, because I, you know, I would have been the, like the chicken nugget kid. That's like, thank you, all of it. <laughs> you know, and I still sort of am. And so I've also thought about like when I want more of something, um, whether it's like the meat or the, you know, whatever we're having the bacon or something, I'm like, oh, there's more bacon, but I'm going to go with this because I know, because they're watching me. It was kind of like yeah. this. I don't know if a standoff is the right word, but we're all just sort of looking at all the food on the table, seeing where everybody's going to go first. Yeah. And then you sort of, and what's interesting, and I'm starting to see like what they gravitate to first when we put all that food down. Yeah. Um, And I think you've sort of naturally noticed some of the things that we talked about in that conversation with Natalia, which is that as a parent, what you eat is actually one of the most important ways that you can get your kids to eat healthier. And so often it's like, I find myself eating the crusts of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and then wondering why my kids aren't eating, right? And it's like, well, you didn't take the time to sit down with them and show them what healthy eating looks like. Right, right, right. I agree. Um, What I thought was really interesting was the second night when I was home, we were eating outside. I remember my daughter, my oldest daughter looked at me deadpan and she just said, mom, I really don't want to eat broccoli tonight. And I was like, okay. And she was just like huge sigh. Like she was just like, oh my God. And I was like, holy crap. Like I just witnessed a clear release of stress for her that I had no idea was there. And that, that was really telling for me because yes, we would say like, eat this, eat that. But I felt like instead of pressuring them to eat, I was more or less pressuring them to eat faster not so much pressuring to me when they didn't need to eat, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I always in my mind was like, I know they like broccoli, so they will eat it. I'm just saying like, hey, can you, can you get it done? Because we want to move on. You know what I mean? And so now, like reversing that whole psychology of like, first of all, it made our dinners way, way less stressful. Like the stress load, we just, we talk about things other than the food which yeah. is the huge takeaway from there. And um, I, I find it really hard to not, well, we'll get into that, but there's definitely challenges from old habits, right? Um, but I found it really kind of like way lower stress and easier to prepare the meals, honestly. That's so awesome. So one of the things that I very clearly remember Natalia sharing in our interview with her was that you should treat dinner with your kids like you would treat a business colleague at dinner with you, which is like you basically talk about everything other than the food. And so I think for folks who haven't heard that interview yet or who are thinking about doing this in their family, for me, that has been a really good cue. And what's also been really interesting is then as we have dinner, we've been with a lot of grandparents lately, which is very lucky, but it's been really interesting as I have backed away from talking so much about food and don't you want to eat this and don't you want to eat that, which was like so common at the dinner table prior. I can see it much more clearly as someone else is engaging in that with my kids. And it's sort of like, it is uncomfortable now that I have a little space from that habit to be like, can you just leave him alone? And Uh, yes, nothing but love for the grandparents. This is not a criticism of them. It's just that I have a new perspective now based on what I've learned. And so I, seeing it in from someone else is like a good um, look into what it sounds like when I do it as well. 
Absolutely. It was, it, it, yes, it's all perspective, right? Like I've, now I'm noticing what people say to my kids, like, well, if you eat one more bite of this, then I'll let you do that. And I'm like, oh no, that's yeah. the thing. And that's what we've done for years at this point. Right? <laughs> and, and how would that make you feel about a food if someone was like, well, if you eat this thing, then you can do this cool thing. Then it's like, oh, well, of course that food's bad. Like that thing's a punishment and this thing's a reward. Like, why do I need a reward to eat that, right? Yeah, and it almost reminds me of the mentality of, like, when you're trying to exercise. Like, you don't exercise because you need to punish yourself for eating a certain way. You exercise to just be a stronger person. You're rewarding yourself with exercise. You're not earning your ice cream with exercise. And I think for us as parents, like, our instinct is to want to nourish our kids, not create these negative associations for them, right? And that was what really spoke to me about this approach to feeding. Um, So can you tell us, like, for folks who haven't fed their kids this way, and Matt, you were sharing a little bit about, like, you put everything out and they had their little plates, and then you were like, okay, serve yourselves. What has been the most successful way that you have switched over to feeding your kids in a DOR style? Like, what would dinner look like on your table? Like, literally, what does it look like if you were to take a camera and take a picture? Like sure, like, like you're going to have dinner yeah. tonight. Like, yeah. you put it all in the middle. Is it on yeah. the plate? Yeah. How much is there? Yeah, so I think it's, if you think of it sort of like family style in the sense that everything's out in the middle. Um, usually, we, I try to put all, every part of the meal in one big, like, Pyrex and just oh, sort cool. of, like, divide it into, like, either thirds or quarters or whatever. Um, you know, so there might be like the chicken thighs, there might be sweet potato fries or something, and then whatever veggie, and then we might have like a bowl that's salad. And then on the salad, I make sure that all the cut, like, like the peppers or the cucumbers, um, and maybe some slices of cheddar cheese or something are sort of in the middle so that they can sort of be picked at. Yeah. Care if they just use their hands and just pick out that part. But, um, and then it's sort of there and we have like the serving, you know, like spoons or whatever, yeah. And then we've just sort of been like, have at it. <laughs> yes. So I guess I that's what, yeah. I mean, that's I what, di- that's what dinner looks like. Lunch, yeah. is, lunch is a little bit different. It's more of sort of Emily's invention of like this platter where we sort of just put all this stuff and wherever they're eating lunch at the time, we sort of just set it down. Yeah. And back up, <laughs> <laughs> walk away and wait for the feeding frenzy to jump in. But it does feel sort of like we're feeding animals, like, because we have chickens and we sort of just throw <laughs> food out and they all kind of just go at it. And, you know, the chickens eat what they think they're supposed to be eating or what, you know what I mean? They all eventually eat, you know, we look out at the compost and it's gone. So I sort of feel like I'm treating my kids like chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are. And I think that's probably good because one of the biggest things I took away from that conversation with Natalia is just like, even this dynamic of vegetables is like kids aren't naturally inclined towards loving vegetables because they're kind of bitter and they feel weird in your mouth. And as human beings, we are naturally inclined towards sweet things because it meant it had more calories. And it's like only in the advent of like modern day convenience food that that is actually a problem. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think this like picking and choosing, and I love the visual of picturing how you guys have laid things out because I think it strikes the nice balance of you guys deciding what the options are 
But even with the example of your salad, and that's been something I've been trying to do as well, is like lettuce is a weird thing for kids to eat. I haven't successfully gotten my kids to eat lettuce, Mm. but like by putting kid edible type of vegetables and things on top, you're not making something separate for them, but they're still able to choose the things that feel right to them at any given moment. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so I know that people are going to be curious about this because sometimes I find the hardest thing about making changes to the way that our family eats is getting my husband and I both on board. He pretty much like lets me drive the ship, but I know that's not true in every house. So Matt, can you tell us a little bit, or maybe Emily, you can provide some insight into like how you set this up to get Matt on board to try out this experiment and what words some of us who are working with a partner who might be a little bit more resistant might want to use to start making this shift for our family. Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest success factors of nutrition is a couple that is on the same page. Um, It also can be your Achilles heel, right? Um, I do feel like I've been really fortunate and this isn't just because Matt's on here, but he's been pretty, (laughs) Uh he's been pretty open to anything that I bring up to him. So long as it seems like really sound valid advice, like he wants to know like, how did I learn it? And what does that mean? And why? And and I'll kind of like spit off all these things. And like, he did listen to Natalia's podcast and I think it did, it seemed to resonate with him. Like it kind of solidified like, yeah, this is probably better because we do, we did find that it was a struggle to get our kids to eat the right stuff. And most importantly, we would have dinner. We try to get them to eat something. They'd earn so much. And then they'd be like, I'm still hungry. And one thing that I thought was interesting was we'd often see our middle daughter eat dessert and go back to her plate and eat again. And, um, if we, if we didn't clean up, so I think we knew that there was some disconnect about like, why is this not like, why do we sometimes ebb and flow with how well they eat? And it's not just because we don't wait until they're hungry enough. Something's, something's disconnected. So it was sort of the final piece of the puzzle for me. And he was very much on board with it. I think if you know your husband or wife, um, might be skeptical, I would bring them to the resources. You know, if they're the kind of person who wants to see, very correct, like credible advice. I would bring them to the resources, if not the website, like Natalia has or other research. There's a lot of research out there. If the, if they're that kind of person that needs to buy in through research, um, if they themselves just are totally against it, it's, it's, it's tricky. I, I don't have like the perfect answer, but I would think about how does your, how, how does your spice spice spouse, <laughs> how does your spice? It's like a very food. That was a Freudian food. It's a good slip. Um, Spicy spouse. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you meant. How does your spicy spouse um, gain? Like, how do you, have you ever watched them agree to something or witness them come around by something? Like in what way did it, in what way did it happen? And then kind of think about approaching it in that way. If, you know, and and if anything, maybe think about it, like it's less, it's going to be less work. It's going to be less stressful. Pitch it like, listen, this will be lower stress for our kids. Um, and lower stress for us trying to like get them to eat dinner. So, Hey, if that's a problem right now, like any solution is a good solution. Yeah. I think that's a great point is this actually feels like one of the easier things to get people on board with, because it's actually like about doing less rather than doing more. I think the doing more is often a hard sell because as busy parents, which I assume everyone listening is it's like, it can really feel like you're already at your limit. And some days I'm like, I don't want to have one more conversation. So anything Mm -hmm. that allows me to have less conversations, (laughs) conversations being like answering why a billion trillion times, then 
I'm open to. And I think I, I would feel like my husband is the same way about that. But part of the reason I asked the question is because I also think is like incredibly important when undertaking any dietary change for your family, but especially something like this, that's all about consistency, like always making sure as the parent that you're the one dealing with the what, the when, and the where, and then letting your kid control the how much and the weather. You have to do it all the time for it to be successful. And so yes, I'm sure you're both on the same page. And even like if you have a nanny or another caregiver that they're on the same page with you as well, feels like extra important. Yeah, I agree. I think setting, setting up that expectation is super important, but it actually, like I said, I think it's way simpler. And what I love about it is it's lower stress, but it's not like throw caution to the wind, just eat whatever you want. I don't even care. Like it's very intentional. It's like, I think one of the biggest challenges a mom or dad may have with it is that they may not even know what they believe is an okay food for their kids. They haven't even created their own parameters of what they believe is healthy or not healthy because they've just been like, you know, throwing things together, doing whatever they think the kid will, will eat. And I think the really important takeaway from it is that you always put down approved foods, right? For foods that you are okay with your children eating and you still always give them options for things, you know, they don't necessarily like at this point. Because you don't yeah. know when it's their turn to say, you know what, I'm going to try fish tonight or I'm going to try that like squiggly vegetable I've never tried. And that's for them to decide, right? Yeah. But it's so easy for us to say our kid will only eat X, Y, and Z. So that's what I make every night because it's simple. And I get that. But if you were to just make a meal and you know one thing they're willing to eat, great. Yeah. So you brought up so many important points there. So I want to pull a few of them out for people who haven't yet undertaken this way of eating. The first thing, and you can hear again more in Natalia's interview, and I can link to some resources as well, is you do want to make sure there's at least one approved food for each of your kids at every meal. That means even if it's like plain brown rice pasta, which I have legitimately served as part of this DOR adventure in our house, then like that's his approved food. And if he decides not to eat the broccoli that's next to it, then like that's okay. But there has to be a food that you know your kid would be willing to eat there. Um, the second piece of it is you have to like really be willing to let go, like let go of some control and know that like on the macro level, your kids are going to find an equilibrium. But to your point, it also can just be about like throwing all the food that you know your kids will eat on their plate. And then you said a third thing, which is really important. And I'm going to give a little plug here, which is like, I do think defining what healthy eating looks like your for your family is really important. And I would encourage you when you do that to not just define what it would look like in an ideal world, but to define what it would realistically look like for your life and for your family. And that might mean only moving the dial a little bit, right? Like that might mean eating a vegetable or serving a vegetable every night instead of once a week or whatever it is. It's like, don't try to go too far all at once. And that is something that I'm working on in my membership group that's launching right now and closes in September is a whole worksheet around defining what that looks like for your family and kind of walking through that process. So if that's something that sounds interesting, you can reach out to me, cookingwithafullplate.com, and we can talk more about it. But to your point, I think you do have to get a little bit more intentional when you undertake something like DOR to just know what you feel good about and know what you feel good about that your kids will actually eat is like a really sweet spot for something like this. 
Yeah, I agree. Because the one thing that I thought of was, well, we have a very strong just like definition of what we eat. And that often makes it much simpler, right? Mm -hmm. We often find like- Harder and easier. It's just, it's harder if you're not prepared, but it's simpler in that you don't venture into these things that you know aren't going to be good. But for someone who's sort of like all over the place with food, like, oh, I eat this sometimes and this sometimes and this sometimes- you have to sort of do some of the exercises that Natalia talks about, which is like, maybe it's time to just write down approved foods for everyone in your family and kind of cross check like, oh, this would make this meal really easy in this meal and whatever. Um, so I think I agree. People should definitely check out your group because I think setting all of this up and having a coach would make it really streamlined and just less to think about. I mean, and we have so yeah. much on our plates and I mean, I just said that, but that really is a very full plate, right? So <laughs> Um, so I just, yeah, I, I felt lucky that it was actually easy for us to implement, but we've been setting this up for years. So it was, yeah, that's a good it, point. it was a great, like I said, I felt like it was the culmination of like, oh, we know what we're eating now, but now we need to let them take the reins. Yep. So Matt, we were just talking about what the biggest challenge was in implementing DOR. And Emily was saying like being really clear on what your family will and won't eat could be a challenge. Was there anything that you felt was really challenging about making this switch for how you fed your kids? Just making sure that there was enough options, I think, on the table Mm. for everybody and to not alienate one kid. um, Yeah. When you have multiple children at your table. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if that comes from like, that's just something that I, you know, I want to make sure, and I think that's what you guys were touching on, is that I wanted to make sure that there was something for everybody. I didn't want anybody to sit there and feel like they couldn't participate in grabbing food. And I don't know if that, and that's sort of like, because I work in a school, I'm a teacher, like, that's sort of something we're always thinking about is including everybody. So I think that that's sort of at the forefront of when I'm, I'm like, okay, they, I know, I'm really hoping that they're going to eat this, but I know that they definitely like this, you know? So there's almost like rewards hidden within the, within the meal. Um, so that it may not mean like, Oh, they found a chocolate chip, but <laughs> more like, I know that they're going to actually like some, at least one thing that's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a really important part of this program. And I'm so glad you guys are drawing this out is it's not just about like putting what you wish your kids would eat on the table and letting them serve themselves from that. But like, Natalia really emphasized and something that I have felt really strongly and it sounds like you did too is that you really do need to be intentional about making sure there's one approved food is the language that she has used for each of your kids because the idea is that they can eat as much of the food as they want but that they shouldn't not be eating because they don't like anything because you were like pushing the limits too much, right? Right, right, right. right. They might not eat because they're not hungry or they don't feel like it or who knows what the problem is but... Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest challenges for me, and I have admittedly not undertaken this fully, but I have really struggled as a parent to separate myself from my feelings that it's my job to make sure my kids are nourished and have eaten the things that I think they should eat. Did you guys find that part challenging at all? Like letting go of your attachment? Yeah, to a certain extent. I think what helped me when I was listening to that previous podcast is that looking at it um, like on a weekly basis or even the whole day in general, like I'm not thinking just this meal, are they getting every nutrient that they need? Um, yeah. Bec- be- because I don't even eat that way. Like when I'm thinking about like at the end, like when I'm going through each, like my meals for the day, 
um, you know, if I'm exercise, if I know I'm going to be exercising or, or whatever it is, I'm like, okay, what have I had so far? You know, and obviously the, our kids aren't going to think that way. So it's easier to think about it in these larger chunks instead of meal by meal. So for me, that's what made that hurdle a little bit easier. Um, cause it's definitely something that entered my head, but because I listened to that beforehand, I was like, oh, okay. Okay. They're not eating that. Or maybe they're only having this, but <laughs> yeah. as long as they didn't eat that, that one thing every day, you know, this week, I think that's, that's, that's good. Right. Yeah. So talking about the biggest takeaway again is changing your whole mindset on um, just how m- meals are like, there's the assumption that you got to have three square meals a day and that's what you're, you know, but not everybody's working the fields anymore. So they're not like exhausted and starving every meal. Um, So just thinking about it more holistically or in larger chunks, um, which is funny because that's how we, now we serve the food, right? It's just one cram. It's like this big platter of stuff. (laughs) And it's like, okay, I hope you eat a whole bunch of things. But um, yeah, so I, I think I kind of went off on a tangent there, but that's sort of just thinking about things in larger chunks makes it much yeah. easier. Yeah. I actually, I, I don't think you went off on a tangent and I think you made a really important point around looking at it as a bigger picture. And it's funny because part of what has stuck with me about that conversation and about our conversation here today is so much of what I try to do in my parenting is like, be really respectful and trust my kids. And when it comes to food, I never exhibited that, right? Because it was like micromanaging their little like bites of things. And I was like, oh no, you only ate cherry tomatoes and watermelon for lunch today. Like, right, right, right. don't you want some protein? Like, how about some cheese? How about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? How about like 300 right. options, none of which yeah. they wanted. And you're right, like looking at it a larger picture, both from like what you offer your kids and what they eat on a daily basis, but also potentially like, at your parenting in general at a larger picture and being like, this is the type of parent I want to be. How am I exhibiting that in this moment here as it relates to food? I think is, is the kind of switch that you need to make in your head to make a change like this actually, you know, take effect. And earlier when you were talking about like getting spouses on board Mm -hmm. for, for me, like thinking about it, like that larger, the bigger chunks, the bigger picture, also, like if you need a selling point, it makes cleanup way easier Nice, um, because you're not providing so many options for every single meal um, and you're not, you know, you're catering to them, but in a different way. But then if everything doesn't go, like because I had everything on that one platter, I just, you know, put the top on it and then shove mm-hmm. it in the fridge. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I hate cleanup. Like I can, uh-huh. I, I hate it with like a passion. I can, I <laughs> All cannot, my hands are raised. Yeah. 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 I just, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. So the fact that that has gotten easier, you know, is almost a selling point right there. You know, selfishly, I'm like, good. I, good. There's one thing, like everything yeah. is in that one thing. Okay, great. You know, I don't have to, and you're throwing out less food too, because you're not looking at their plates, seeing just leftovers that are stuff they haven't touched, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so and the other thing I, th- I think is interesting about this is that the, the food that's supposed to stay warm stays warm in the sense that they eat, like if it's all together, they're taking what they want, 
but the, we're mm-hmm. not giving them like all this food and then it just sits on their plate and they don't eat. Right. You provided me with an important hack today, which is like, I love this idea of the one tray thing. Like I've been putting things in kind of like separate bowls, but I'm going to try this like Pyrex dish with kind of like little sectioned off things and just something with a lid that can be put away by itself. Cause I'm with you hate cleaning. I would cook like every meal of every day for everyone in my neighborhood if I never had to clean again. And yeah. that that's going to help me do this more seamlessly in my house. So I appreciate that. Emily, what was yeah. your yeah. biggest takeaway? Well, I think that there's, so I have a lot of thoughts on this actually, and I'll try to touch on them very quickly. But one, um, like I said, it lowered the stress and it, um, it's interesting to see your children make these decisions. It's actually kind of eye-opening. We're doing some reverse engineering now. Like we're doing some stuff like I, I, I have put pressure on my oldest daughter and now I think she's starting to feel stressed about taking all the responsibility of making the choices. Cause sometimes she'll say, can you just choose for me? I don't know because I think she was just shoveling whatever in enjoying what she liked, but doing what she had to do for dessert. So there's like this, we're rewiring her. The other two, not so much because they're like, okay, whatever. Like just not as their brains aren't there yet. Um, so I'm like so glad that we figured this out younger. And I even spoke to my mom about it and she was like, that's exactly how I raised you guys. Like I said, here's dinner, eat what you want. You know, I might, she said, you know, she was like, I literally was like, sometimes I was like, I can't believe you're eating that much pasta, but whatever. Like, she's like, it's about dinner. It's not about, you know, it's like, it's about the meal together. It's not about the the food that I served. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're, you're learning your palate as a kid. One, one thing that I always taught my kids was to help themselves to a snack if they were hungry throughout the day. And we try to keep only really good stuff or like mildly, you know, treat, mild treats or whatever. And I would be like, and so now I'm kind of like, do I let them take the snack out of the cupboard? Because one, it's less work for me. But I'm like, I don't know if that really fits into this mantra because I'm not choosing what they're choosing the what. Or when. Yeah, or the when. And they're choosing the when. So that is going to be something I am going to struggle with as they have access to my cupboards. They're old enough to rip things open and they all are approved things in in there. But I'm kind of like, do I say yes to this? Oh my God, I don't have time. You know, that is going to be, I think, a constant theme yeah. struggle for me. Um, but the meal times I feel really confident about at this point. And even the other day we were at a restaurant and they were like, you could order fries or broccoli. And I was like, normally I'd be like, let's get the broccoli and someone else get the fries and we'll all split them. And I was like, you know what? They're not going to eat the goddamn broccoli. <laughs> they're not going <laughs> to eat that broccoli from the restaurant. You know, they're too distracted. They're barely going to eat the grilled cheese. So I was like, right. you know what? Just give me the fries. They already ate vegetables today. I'm not even going to worry about it. You know? Yeah. And it was fine. I don't even think they ate most of the fries. So what did it even matter? You know? Isn't that so, funny? I let, I let my son get a popsicle the other day. Like I'm talking like red, white, and blue dye. Like, you know, those bomb pops from an ice cream truck. And I was like, oh man, that's like a lot of sugar and a lot of food coloring and all the things. And he, he looked like a quarter of it before he was just bored and put it away. And then it was popsicle soup, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? There's almost that forbidden thing gets taken away and then the appeal is lost. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times my kids are like cupcakes. They waited all day for this birthday party for cupcakes and they'll go, I don't want it. I'm like, it's just hilarious. Like that's, <laughs> that's intuition being like, this smells like it's going to make my stomach hurt or whatever, yeah. you know? And some kids love it and good for them. They clearly can handle it or whatever, but 
my kids almost always like wait and wait and wait and can't wait for like a marshmallow. And then half of the time they just throw, I end, it ends up like sticky mess on their hands. They're like, I didn't really like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For me, for me, that, that was, <clears throat> I think that's really weird. Like for, to witness that, um, like, honestly, if I was listening to this podcast and I heard people talking like that, I'd be like, well, that's because their kids are trained <laughs> or whatever. But I actually witnessed it happen, like that they, did, like they've taken the marshmallow and eaten it. <laughs> They're actually fighting over food right now. <laughs> Appropriately. Yes. Yes. Um, no, like they've, uh, you know, I've, we've been to, like Emily said, you know, uh, they can't like, there's like this, Oh, I can't wait for this thing. And then they're like, to see them, I'm like, what are you, you're not, I thought all kids, I thought that's what you're supposed to like that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's just interesting. Cause it took me, it took me a long time to change um, I guess my taste buds. So that stuff's not appealing to me anymore, but that was a change I had to make. And it's just nice to see that they kind of just are like, whatever, we don't even want yeah. this. They'll be, they'll be excited for it, but then they don't like it. Okay. We, so I know people are going to ask, like, what do you think you've done to make that be the case? We give them timeouts all the time. <laughs> and just throw them there. Corporal punishment. Definitely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I think it's just... Uh, like not having it, like not having yeah. it in the house, just, it's just yeah. not an option. Um, so then when they're, when they do make their own choices, right. They're making like choices that we approve of. Um, right. and then, you know, when it becomes this, this like for like forbidden thing that they're going to have their, their taste buds don't are not used to it. And it's almost, yeah. I think it's like overbearing. You yeah. Know, Cause they'll, because even even Ellie, who I would assume would indulge herself, because like she just love you know she if she likes something she'll eat a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But like if I were to predict like one of my children like eating an entire cake, it probably would have been her. But she's not like that, you know what I mean? That's yeah. not her. She's like, nope, don't want that. And she'll sit there. She will eat all the tomatoes, you know, or yeah. she will eat, like an entire like pepper, <laughs> which is really funny to watch. Um, but it's just, it's just really interesting to me. You know, what's interesting about all of this DOR stuff is like my son does really love sweets. Like I, he doesn't always eat all of them, but he, he definitely loves sweets. And some of that's on me. Cause I'm like, let's get donuts for breakfast this morning. Like what a treat. But one of the things I love about DOR and that I've been working on is just this like neutralizing of sweets. So it's like, I think there's two pieces to the puzzle of kids loving sweet things. Like the first is taste buds, right? Which are like developed over time. And we naturally like sweet things and we all have things that we like, right? But then the second piece of the puzzle is when you start being told that this is a reward, then you want that thing more because that's the good thing, right? Like the broccoli is the bad thing and the dessert is the good thing. And so it's one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about with all of this DOR is, and Emily, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, is like that you've seen your daughter take her dessert, eat it, and then like go back to eating her dinner. And that's one of the key things about this program for people who aren't familiar with it is that if you are choosing to serve dessert and you as the adult are deciding what that dessert looks like, that you serve a small piece to each person with their dinner, especially as you're establishing these habits so that it's not like sometimes there's dessert, sometimes I'm not, there's not, and I need to save space for it. And it's the reward. If I eat all of these things that my parent tells me I have to, it's just another part 
of the meal, right? Like it's just this neutral thing. And I think that helps to underscore their natural habits towards not wanting to eat all of something is like the secondary piece of also not creating it as a forbidden reward, right? Like I, something that you control. Absolutely. I agree. And I even find with myself, like if I'm, sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to eat chocolate before dinner. And like, that was my sweet for the day. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm choosing my sweet for the day and I'm not waiting. I, I do feel like you almost have to get dessert over with if you're feeling like you're just diving into this and your kids are not used to it all. It's like, just tell them what it is or put it with the meal. Or- are there any last words of encouragement you guys would want to give to someone who wants to try out DOR in their household with their family? Something that they can like take away and be encouraged by? I would say dive in. I would say just try it. Yeah, I love that. You don't have to commit to this forever, but give it a shot for a couple of weeks and see where that leaves you, right? Yeah, I think that, um, like Emily said, just dive in, but just maybe do it with one one meal. You know, mm. um, we sort of started it with lu- with lunch where it was just like, here's all the stuff. So it almost looked like they were having one giant snack, right? So that was more appealing to them, you know, because they're little kids and they were like, oh, we have all these options for these little things. We can yeah. have any of it. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. So that, which made dinner seem more familiar because it wasn't mm. just like this sit down, like, okay, everybody. It was kind of like, here, this is like lunch part two, um, mm. just later, <laughs> you yeah. know, but it was you know, a different set of options, you know? Um, and I also don't want, I don't want people to believe that like our kids eat perfectly either. I hope that's not, that didn't come across as like, Oh yeah. And now they're amazing eaters. It's just (laughs) sort of, we sort of, we were already almost there. And so they eat pretty, you know, I'm happy with how they eat, but there's obviously things that, um, you know, we can definitely improve on for sure. But. Yeah, I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate I mean, you giving that clarification because I think like what I heard knowing you guys, because I know that you aren't trying to say that your kids are p- perfect eaters at all, is like it helped you strike a balance of getting your kids to eat more of the way that you would like them to eat, but also having the harmony at your table that you would like to have, right? And so it's this like twofold impact. Yeah, I would agree. And I felt like um, like tonight they're having waffles with bacon and vegetables like cut up fresh vegetables and cheese because we're just trying to pull off this podcast and I'm like this is fine like I loved that Natalia showed that snack on one of her posts where it was like I gave them vegetables fruit and cookies because I'm like they're just on equal plane and yeah that's the number one takeaway is like fine you can have some of that and you you might want to venture into something else too this is crispy this is cold like like it's a like it's a sensory experience eating it's not a pressuresome situation where vegetables are evil and dessert is yummy, but it's bad for you. And you know, it's, everything's been vilified (laughs) in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for coming on and thank you to all the listeners for hanging with us through real life happening, which in this case was kids in the background and two parents trying to make this work, which I know this was no easy feat for you guys. And my internet was slow. So we'll see, you know, how much cutting there out there is, but I think there are so many good tidbits in here. I appreciate you guys being the guinea pigs for our podcast. And then also coming on and sharing a real look into how this DOR experiment looked for your family. So thank you. 